Welcome to Mama's Baked. We're Laura and Bridget, and we're your favorite cannabis advocates. We've been there, done that, and everybody asks us about it, so we decided to start Mama's Baked, and here we are talking about everything cannabis. The latest news, lifestyle, and wellness information with lots of fun baked in. Every Thursday, join us as we break down what's happening now and how you can infuse cannabis into your life, too. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, share us with your friends, and get our free tincture-making course at potofwellness.com. Hello, Bridget. Hello, Laura. This is Desert Fox. And And Foxy Lady. Hello. Checking in with you guys. You know, we're in Arizona. We're in Phoenix. And I have a copy of said magazine, and that's freaking awesome. We've actually done a story out of that magazine, I believe. I guess my question is, how often do these issues come out, and where do we pick them up? Uh, I believe, if my stoner brain serves me well, we got it at Emerald the first time as a dispensary in Phoenix. But I don't remember. We were always picking up brochures and stuff that, you know, we can go through and and read on our show. I don't know if you've checked out Weed 101. It's awesome. Welcome to Anchor, and it's awesome to have people in Arizona with us, and that's freaking awesome. If you guys would want to do a commercial, we would totally play it on our show. We can't pay you for it, but I will give you all the exposure I can give you. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. I guess it's really afternoon because, you know, we publish these on Thursdays at 420. True. Dubs. So good afternoon. good afternoon to those of you who are joining us on a Thursday at 420 <laughs> sometime thereafter. Although, you know, the beauty of podcasts, they sit there forever. So you can listen anytime you want, but um, oh, so much excitement. You know, um, we started this podcast just because we were like, look, we have these conversations with people over and over and over all the time. It would be kind of nice to record these conversations and be able to direct people to, you know, kind of our thoughts and opinions and, you know, educated opinions about some of these topics uh, with relation to cannabis. Um, but you know, with no big marketing budget and not wanting to, you know, get in bed with big money and all that kind of stuff, we decided to just go ahead and start and just start putting a podcast out, even though we didn't have listeners, etc. So our exciting news for this week is we are now, I know, right? We're now getting ready to record our fifth episode, our fifth um, week in a row. We're so amazing. And People are listening to us. Yay. And we haven't I, even told anybody yet. I know. We haven't told anybody. We literally just recorded and left it sitting here. And we're, we're now on um, Google Play. We're on iTunes. We're on Anchor specifically. Um, so you can find us at anchor.fm forward slash mamas dash baked. 
Or like I said, just look up Mama's Baked on Google Play or iTunes and listen to our previous episodes. Join in on our future episodes. Like us, share us, you know, whatever. We're not trying to do the most, but, you know, we love your support. So that's exciting. Good job, Laura. Woo-woo. Good job, Bridget. I actually, somebody... Oh, one of my kids said something to me the other day, like, oh, raising kids with cannabis is a whole interesting thing. And I said, well, we just did a podcast on that. Right. He's like, you did a what? (laughs) I I sent her a link. So, yeah, it was funny to be able to just throw that out and not have to have the conversation. I love it. I love it. Save a breath. Yeah, so we do have, like I said, the main profile of the of the um, podcast right now is at anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. And they were great. Help. Mom-baked. Yeah, they were such help getting started because they make it so easy. They did make it so easy. It was awesome, actually. They have all the tools. They quickly just throw all the podcasts up on, you know, like I said, iTunes, Google Play, et cetera, so been a really nice easy uh, tool to use but we will also throw a link to the podcast now that we're kind of get going we'll make sure it's on the pot of wellness page um and elsewhere that we'll be rolling out but hiding things from this is that another um podcast on anchor about cannabis reached out to us and left us a little message of love and welcoming and um, they're called cannabis conundrum. And they especially uh, had noticed that not only did they come across our podcast, listen to us, enjoy it, but also they found um, our article or your article, the ask mama article in the cannabis cactus magazine. So that was also a lot of fun. I also use that as a, Wish list when one of my kids asked me what I wanted for Mother's Day. The May topic for this month, the May article, is uh-huh. ask dear mama about Mother's Day. So right. She asked me about my, what I wanted for Mother's Day. I'm like, oh, here's an article. Perfect. will help you. So, right. yeah, and I actually had lunch yesterday with the editor-in-chief of Cannabis Cactus and got some exciting plans as he's he just did his first – I think it was November, he said, the, the magazine launched. So as he works his way through learning how this all works and getting up and going, he's got some more um, more things coming, building the website out and that kind of thing. So it's right. fun to, to watch these resources connect, the podcast, the magazine, and now another podcast. Yeah, community. you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, we're still talking about this right now. We'll go into this deeper topic later. But our topic today is um, kind of the politics. And, you know, you listen to CNN all the time. I don't. Mm-hmm. I avoid the news as much as possible. I know as much about politics as I need to, you know, in my local government and that kind of stuff. Otherwise, I kind of tend to focus my uh, attention elsewhere. But there's a whole lot going on right now in the politics of cannabis. And there's a lot for us to talk about. And um, it's interesting because my thought to a solution to most of the problems I see people bringing up is developing our own community, right? Outside of the politics and connecting with one another and figuring out ways to 
you know, to build one another up in what we're doing, you know, like I said, outside of the politics, but in real life and face to face with the other human beings who are doing it. So I love to see that we're doing this, that we're connecting, you know, on podcasts, in person. You know, we, I um, work a lot of times with um, uh, both the Women Grow ladies. They're all awesome. Love what they've got going on. Also, um, the uh, Canna Friends group, they um, are pulling together a lot of the industry people. So it's fun to see how connecting and we're going to bypass we can bypass what's happening in politics in a lot of ways so and here's another th- way to look at it though so when you say politics you just say politics as cnn and the president and senator crap i don't want to all them lying ass mofos okay so that's not really what politics is politics is not government it's a totally different it's the interaction or the connections and lack of connections and the groups and the lack we probably could do a real i could look up the actual definition but when i say the politics of cannabis i love etymology i know you do the um (laughs) the you still there i'm sorry for that noise i hear you we lost you for only one second you said the concept of the politics of cannabis is not necessarily meaning the government the politics of cannabis and let me see here's the definition activities associated with the governance of a country or the academic study of um here we go Activities within an organization that are aimed at approving someone's status or position and are typically considered to be devious or divisive. Ooh. A particular set of political beliefs or principles. These are all. The assumptions of principles or inherent in a sphere, theory, or thing. That's more what I'm talking about when I'm saying the politics of cannabis. The assumptions or principles relating to or inherent in a sphere, theory, or thing, especially concerned with power and status in a society. Mm. So I'm looking at politics of more of the maneuvering of people in positions of power or to obtain positions of power within a community. I love it. All right. Well, that's like a deep conversation in a little while then. And I think of it like because I was a government employee for so long and we always talked to politics, office politics. Mm -hmm. So think of it more like office politics, not world or or American politics. Sure. General sense. Well, that's good. Office politics um, are just as bad in my book. I cannot lie. Sure, and that's what this is, though. And <laughs> These are all equal in my eyes, even though they are different. And it doesn't matter if you like them or not. It doesn't make they them are. go away. They, <laughs> they are. are part of it. They are. And then yeah. we have to figure out how to best work them to our advantage, ultimately. Mm. Hopefully as a collective. I was going to say, which is a political advantage. statement. That's a political statement. Of course. <laughs> Right. So, anything else new this week before we dive into it? I know you watched the Sanjay Gupta show. 
I did. I did that and the opioid crisis, so to speak. Um, we've talked about that on my level. I mean, uh, you know, I have my feelings on that terminology, right? Right. The Sanjay Gupta Weed Four was out about a week ago, and it's on replay. If you have like on demand, you could probably watch it. That's how I watched it. I didn't catch it live. It was. Um, for me personally, knowing the industry, there was a lot of repeated concepts, but some great information, even some information I wasn't aware of before, a little bit more of the science. And then he did some great um, uh, little bits of information of the difficulties of completing real science because, you know, the prohibitionists always like to say, well, yeah, I'd be more behind it if it was FDA approved with you know, with blah, blah, blah studies. And he explained why that wasn't uh-huh. able to happen. Right. Um, because he yeah, had good old friend, Dr. Sue Sicily, who's one of our superheroes in the cannabis community, trying to do real research and actually obtained cannabis to do her PTSD study right. was on the show. He did a little bit with her. Oh, nice. Nice. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So and he had a couple other, and almost all the women or all the scientists were women, which was interesting. Oh. Um, there was one, I think there was one male scientist, but the other three were female. One was Harvard. And like, I think I'd mentioned to you when we talked before, I didn't watch it in a, a scholarly manner. I watched it sort of in passing. I didn't take notes or anything. So I don't have the names of the doctors, but I would recommend people watch it. Definitely good information. And He's definitely a rock star for trying to advance the cause um, for the de- declassification. You know, being a Schedule One drug with methamphetamines and heroin is just absolutely ridiculous, yeah. nonsensical. Right. So he said that he had written a le- personal letter to Jeff Sessions to reconsider that. Nonsensical, except in a Jim Crow society. Mm. <laughs> Whole nother conversation. But yeah. We need a whole week for that one sometime. I need to have a conversation about this at one point. Well, we did kind of touch on it. Basically, the whole reason behind prohibition. So, Right. Is, you know, white supremacy in a nutshell. But, okay, so let's take a quick break right now. Um, Quick shout out to, you know, Cannabis Conundrum. Thank y'all for reaching out to us this week. We can't wait to do a future uh, little, you know, round maybe with them um shout out to cannabis cactus magazine who keeps posting our um ask mama articles and we just really love and appreciate that and we appreciate all the reaching out that we've gotten from patients who have read those articles and um when we come back in a minute we're going to just talk about the politics of cannabis so we will see you soon all right Ta-da, we are back. We're back and ready to dive into this very controversial and, you know, passion-filled topic of the politics of cannabis. I'm going to need a big bong hit of my Kush dog here before we get into that. Well, yeah, I've been running around all morning and I'm going to do that right now before we dive in at all. So what are you smoking on today? Today I have a lovely bud of Kush dog. D-A-W-G. So Kush some dog. kind of Kush and some kind of chem dog combined. 
Got you. So, a uh, hybrid. Sativa leaning, I believe, kind of. But I don't do very well with real high in the sativa side of things. It usually gets me palpitating. Uh-huh. So I'm more of a hybrid. I'm, I'm Italian. I'm a jumpy enough individual as it is. I don't need to be more alert. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyper alert as it is. So, yeah. yeah, for me, I'm always, and I've always been an indigo girl, but to get shit done, sometimes you got to go to the hybrids. I can't always be completely relaxed. Right. <laughs> as much as I would prefer that. I'm ready for about 10 years of nothing. Sitting on a couch with some books and someone bringing me some tea. Oh man, I'm quite happy. Those days, I cannot lie, cannot mm. tell a lie. Mm-mm-mm. I'm still on my uh, on my kick where I have to have like all this extra energy every day and need to be able to, you know, like get up and move around at a second's notice because I'm chasing my three year old around all the time. Yep, gotta be alert. Gotta be alert. Gotta be on top of it. So sativa is my go-to during the day. The indica gets to come out at night once uh, once baby goes to sleep. That's when mommy can indica it up. I can't indica it up during the day. It's just I hate to feel groggy, and it certainly can make me feel groggy sometimes. Definitely, and it does hit me differently. It doesn't. It does make me sit still and do my job. So it does. It's like we've always talked about. It always every every strain affects everybody differently. Yeah, which is so interesting. Like, I feel like there's got to be more science behind this in terms of, you know, I, I, I really have wanted, you know, who we should call an interview one of these days is maybe um, Ryan Tracy or someone like that. He owns uh, C4 Labs, which does a yeah. lot of testing a product of, from the dispensaries that do testing anyway. We're Facebook friends. Yeah. Yes, Facebook friends. I, I've also met him several times at many of the Can of Friends meetings and some other face. You know, he's at all the events. Um, I've met him, but I don't think he would know. That yeah, matter. right. You know, like we've not, but exactly. But I always have found it so interesting. You know how differently, uh, for example, green crack. That's one of my go-to energy givers. Right when I really need a burst of energy um, through the that's day, my, I give my go-to for. That's my go-to for I do not want to do this big project at all, ever. Uh, you can't make me, oh, fine. If I have to clean the garage, I'll go get a little green crack and I'll get this shit done. Right, right. <laughs> I do. I do. That is one of my favorites. Yeah, energy but- shot in my world. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think with my... Better. I don't have to drink it. That's good. <laughs> yeah, for our listeners too, I just started taking a heart medication for oh. tachycardia. Uh huh. And so, anything that messes that up, which it's just more of an advice for anybody else who has abnormal rhythm. Right. Sativas definitely don't help with that. Right. They definitely aggravate if you already have a little electrical. Mine is not, and that's a big difference too, I have to mention. I do not have a structural heart issue. I have an electrical heart uh-huh. issue, which um, where THC loves to live is your basically your nervous system. It helps to regulate. Um, and so when the sativa is sort of amp it up, an already over amped nerve can misfire more often 
So if you do have electrical issues, that's why indicas are usually used also for seizure conditions because they do have a little more calming effect, a little more balancing effect on the nervous system. So just a little off topic side info yeah, on science of cannabis. Look, maybe that's next week's conversation, even though neither you nor I as a scientist, but we could definitely, you know, I bet, I bet we could find some scientists to, we to can get from some, or talk to or something. We can get some general, we got enough general information. We got a lot there. of science information in our, in our bag of tricks. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be awesome. Um, yeah, I have so things on the, along those lines that I would totally talk about, but I'm not going to. See, and this is why we need declassification, decriminalization. People talk about legalization, but in, in my world, I feel like we need decriminalization, period. Uh, and maybe some regulation, but I just, I mean, there's a lot going on with this, so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's you to uh, change and can't always talk about everything sometimes, which is a right. damn shame. You know, it'd be nice to be able to sometimes, especially when you're seeing such good results for things. Right. But right. anyway, <laughs> we can recommend. We can make recommendations. So I appreciate your recommendations. Those are very handy, uh, helpful, helpful pieces of information there. Yep. The uh, are great we might have some further conversations in, a, in the future, yeah. <laughs> privately off podcast. There you go. <laughs> Which all of you guys can uh, make sure you understand that can happen for you. You know, we don't, uh, we both have busy businesses, of course, but uh, scheduling a one-on-one -on -one con consult is possible. Uh, it's not cheap. I'm not going to say it's free for sure, uh, but it is something that we do offer every once in a while. So uh, if it is something that you need, hit us up Absolutely. at uh, And we can have secret, private, secret squirrel um, conversations that nobody outside of our conversation ever needs to know anything about. So, yeah, but if you feel lost and just don't know where to start and don't want to go the route of trying to talk to your bud tender or getting help at your local dispensary, which many of them have a lot of patients. I'm trying to talk to your doctor. Who oh, won't know. Even, don't even bother. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's just a waste of time and bad information. But we can give you pretty much, you know, the same level of, uh, you know, confidentiality. <laughs> oh, for sure. I'm just saying if, yeah, if those other normal routes aren't something that appeal to you and you really just want a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone who can hone in on your actual specific needs, then we can yeah. definitely help you out with that. Yeah. For sure. I've done a lot of that. I did a lot more of it earlier on, but as you and I both got busier with our other businesses, the consulting has to take a back burner and right. it's still available. It's, it's just not my, my time is time. so valuable at this point. It really boils down to that. An hour of time is, you know, it's expensive in my life. <laughs> so. Because you could be calculating. Yeah. I mean, my restaurant probably does a thousand dollars in an hour. I mean, I have right. a, a team, Yeah, I, but you got to take away from one thing to do another. And so, yeah, yeah exactly. that's, and then, and consult, consulting also, honestly, for me personally, is, is also spiritually draining it's because you give so oh, much of it. Yeah. You know, if you, I do two or three consults, I'm exhausted and all I've done is talk, but you're yeah. working through fears and troubles and it's, yeah, it's exhausting. Super, super, especially for someone who's an empath, which I think a lot of consult, you know, count coaches yeah. and or consultants especially in this kind of space really are empaths so they really feel the stuff that they're you know 
talking people through and yeah it's a lot can't do that all week i personally can't do that all week and still have anything left that does though really segue well into kind of our next topic which is the politics of cannabis right because this is kind of one of the biggest things is how the politics of cannabis really can wear a person down physically mentally spiritually um etc working with you know when you know why don't you dive into this on the politics but especially when we talk about people's fears hang-ups etc and how that plays into all this stuff that's going on i mean it's it's major right well i think the major major thing that we both run up against in i know i've been on oh i guess even with my social work i was on both sides i worked for the government and i worked for private agencies so i saw both sides and i saw both opinions in the cannabis industry a lot of times when when the conversation conversation of politics and cannabis comes up it is usually patients versus dispensaries sort of establishment versus the grassroots it's that right. same dynamic as you see you know over scores and centuries it's nothing new it's not um I mean, it's as old as time. And that's what I feel like the politics of this is, is just, even with the politics, I watch, like you were saying, I watch a lot of CNN and I, I have since the election, I have my two hours, I'm allowed two specific shows that I'm allowed to watch. And I have my own rules about what I'm allowed to, I have to have things done to watch my politics show. But for me, it's a study in sociology. Yeah, social work for 30 years and I love watching I I end up watching the body language and trying to figure out who's lying by their eyeballs I'm really not <laughs> invested in the stories it's just a big reality show for me but look, I heard the- down into the down into the right is a lie if they look down into correct. the right while they're telling correct. you something they're lying to you and watch them touch their face as well mm-hmm. then- especially if they then alternatively when they tell the truth look up into the left Yep. Mm-hmm. those are all That's the old tell, ones. Tell, tell. there's <laughs> other ones too with certain people and i my dad was a shoulder guy his tail was always in his shoulders so i do watch guy so anyways that's my fun in the politics i watch people's shoulders and their faces and i'm really not invested in the outcome <laughs> i just all like right. the sociology of it live your life regardless but what i've determined with watching the current situation in our governments and our politics is the same old thing as we're talking about in the cannabis is establishment versus the grassroots people people think the other one doesn't understand and honestly probably don't but they they get in they get into their their category and i've left a lot of advocacy groups in arizona um because it was a lot of hyperbolic bullshit that wasn't accurate and it wasn't people and now and now those same people are actually in the dispensaries creating what they used to be, you know, warfare against the dispensaries, now creating ads for them. So it's so phony. It's just all posturing. I mean, because when it boils down to it, each person is most interest, you know, their highest priority is self-interest, right? I mean, on some kind of level. Sure, survival. So everybody's always going to approach every situation from kind of that platform on some level. And I've done both things now. I've done the grassroots side. I've done the, you know, obviously I haven't smoked pot for 30 years legally, as we say. Uh, (laughs) So I was, you know, one of those people in the early legalization, you know, when we passed it three times and they kept overturning it. Right. Um, But then when I was a volunteer at the co-op, 
I ended up being hired on. So then I was what part of the establishment. And then I opened an edible line. So I was aligned with the dispensary actually two times. Right. So right. That I'm part of the establishment, but I'm a patient and right. I'm an advocate. So right. there's not one hat and, and, trying... and is it the establishment if it's a dispensary, but not if it's, you know, I don't know, um, Co-op? a rolling papers company or a CBD company, you know, is that then not the establishment or is it still the establishment? You know, where's the line? Right. And the same with politics. Everybody's like, you know, all politicians are assholes. Like, and all are evil. Right. But did they actually start out that way? Or did they, you know, like all of them decided like there's an evil school? <laughs> they all, right. you know, that's not how they probably started out. They probably were starting out because of a particular issue they were passionate about and thought they could make a difference. Right. And the same with the dispensaries. I found there's some really scumbags out in the industry. Right. And we've met a few of them. I've had pe- a couple of them. Dealt with them. Look, occasionally (laughs) one guy threw shit at me so i mean we know they're out there but there's also amazing people out there that were so excited to grow this plant and share it with people and grow it right yeah and then buried within industries of assholes are great people too i've met some great people in places that were led by criminals Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's really where I come at these topics from, generally speaking, is I'm not, I don't, you know, maybe this is a weakness in me. I don't know. I don't know if this is good, bad, or otherwise, but it's just true. You know, moderation and everything, I like to say, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, I grew up in a very, you know, far right type of house, very conservative, you know, very kind of quote unquote semi extreme. Uh, one direction and yeah you know no other people other direction just like we kind of talk about this establishment versus like activism uh and those yeah. being maybe the two extremes i don't know for sure that they're extremes right activism is necessary in order to produce change and keep going and everything but i'm with you in that i i'm not going to sign on to a quote-unquote cause unless i really 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 full-hearted whole body all mind I'm on board. You know what I'm saying? Like right. if I have any kind of like, eh, it semi feels like these people are doing this with their own self-interest in mind versus, you know, in an activist situation for me, it'd be the collective, right? I'm not going to be an activist for something individual. I'm just going to go get that shit. Right. Right. Uh, but I'm going to be an activist for something that affects the collective. And if I feel any sense of like individual uh, people trying to gain individual ground in an activist movement, I'm going to have a problem on the other side though, the establishment side, I do see that often as individuals striving to succeed what have you some good some bad just like in in my opinion every business industry right right? every group of humans uh you've got humans that are going to take advantage of other people and it's so funny i was actually watching this show uh on netflix it's so funny when you don't have cable anymore and you start really watching netflix you realize like netflix has a lot of international shows did you know that the netflix has so many international shows i I had no idea until recently i end up watching more of those than uh... I watch so many international shows now. Yeah, I hardly watch anything uh, American, so to speak. Uh, so there's one show I was just watching called The 3%. And the premise behind it is that, like, you know, uh, 
the world is in disarray, but they've created this utopia. And 3% of all the people, when they hit 20, they all get to go through this process of testing. And 3% of them will succeed in this process and they get to go live in this utopia. The other 97% go back and live in this total squalor. And um, just see, look, I hit that weed a little while ago and I forget my point for a second. Well, it's like the world is but not. It's going to come back. Two categories. <laughs> Yeah, two categories, but, you know, that's not really real to me. You know, that's not, like, how it needs to be, right? To me, there is definitely 100% a third category wherein uh, we're able to work together and create better stuff, and we can have people in every aspect. We can have activists involved in what we can create in the middle, so to speak. We can have uh, entrepreneurs and, quote-unquote, the establishment, dispensary owners, doctors, chiropractors, you know, what have you, business owners um, can be involved and there can be solutions brought when we just bring together the right people, you know, law of attraction. I believe that the principles that we're fighting for, that we can find ways to promote those and move those forward without being an us versus them type of scenario, even though some of them are them, yeah, right? Yeah, but no. them, them being the crooks, whether they're activists or establishment people, the crooks and the people that are selfish and out there for selfish gain, they can be the them. And <clears throat> we can create the, the, the us. <laughs> right, right. And there's I think, always an us in them, right? There's always an us in them. I think there's always a problem when an individual does a, um, something or a behavior or an action that we don't, that either harms us or frustrates or angers us to not put that label on an entire group. So like, right. you know, and it was hard for Absolutely. me, too. I mean, I, I, I will, will not deny that they tried to break me. I have a breakup song for me in the cannabis industry, the whole bit. I literally have yeah. a song that... You were like, yeah. I loved you once, but it's, you've left me forever. It's that Christina Aguilera one where it's like, I'm giving up on you. That's my yeah. cannabis industry breakup song. I had my heartbreak. I was ready to paint... Um, everybody as a bad guy because I had been literally burned by every single, yeah. you know, management male that I had come across in the industry, every single one. So that only lasted though about, you know, three days. I'm not, I'm not a big <laughs> brush painter. I do need to re-up on my flower right now. So where am I going to go? So I do understand. And I do understand, um, the frustrations uh, like I said I love them but I don't believe and I never have been one to paint in a, a whole group with the same brush I, I uh -huh. did not automatically say every dispensary owner because I had been to dispensary owner meetings with the entire congregation of all the dispensary owners and I met a lot of great people yeah and and bringing edibles and signing people up to take our edible line you know, I got to work with the owners and there was a lot of great people. A lot of people had a long way to go <laughs> to learn about the plant that were just brand new right. of it, but their heart was in the right place. So yeah, it's frustrating. And then the same with patients. You know, I'm, I'm also a big advocate on not talking shit about the stoners and not talking shit about right. the hippies because, right. you know, if it weren't for their incessant, never ending efforts and work, we wouldn't be and desire for a high, if that's what it was. You know, I mean, really? that's the thing I get sometimes with people kind of sometimes put out there, like it's like people who, um, you know, enjoy marijuana for the high. 
<laughs> like they're somehow bad, you know, or or some kind of lesser human beings in some kind of way. Yeah, I think I wrote a blog about that. But yeah, you know, you de- define high. What is high? Right. And I hate right. that term even because I always say get lifted now. Stay lifted yeah. is my sign right. off. Thanks, John Legend. That's where I think I stole that from. Um, <laughs> but it, it feels more lifted, feels more appropriate in my gut to me than being high. High somehow. I always think of like a drunk or, or someone disconnected. High feels disconnected to me. Lifted just feels like you're a little cheerful. <laughs> well, and there may be people who are definitely using marijuana to become disconnected. Oh, for sure. And there's times when I've had to be disconnected when I'm having acute pain attacks. Right. But Absolutely. in general, the term high, sure. and it shouldn't even be negative. I still don't understand you know, I, I've all the consultations, when I get to the point in the consultation where inevitably the patient or the person considering becoming a patient will say to me, but I don't want to be high. And I'll say, well, why? What, right. what, what does that mean to you? They're like, well, I'll be, I, I'll be out of control and I won't know what's going on. And I'm like, what if I told you it's nothing like that? And it right, just like, does that happen when you have a glass of wine? Do you feel out of control? Because sometimes people do, but not usually after one glass of wine. Right. <laughs> I made a meme once too, and it said, "Smoking pot makes me feel better." Why does that bother you so much? Right. <laughs> I just never could understand the right. negative connotation with the my politics. Though it's the politics, of- cannabis, right? I mean, <laughs> let's look at really in politics how this is working, right? All these people, quote unquote, the stoners, which I also, you know, what a horrible, what, you know, terrible little term. Right. And definitely judgmental and so many other things. Um, but they've been out there fighting for generations, you know, 30, right. 40, 50 years, some of them to try and get anybody, somebody, anybody to pay attention and look at what the real science, even if it was just anecdotal, because they couldn't get anybody to actually approve, you know, but science, science, yeah. look at this you know, they're out there fighting, going to jail. I mean, we could talk about, you know, people of color and their role in this and getting the plant out there to people and how they've been victimized, etc. And now finally some stuff is happening and changing. Um, but not until a few families with young children were willing to share their story of treatments. You know, I'm honestly, I feel like this was a large, this has been a big, big, big uh, advancement for, you know, legalization or what have you is once there were a few people so willing to take this massive, massive risk with their family. Absolutely. Uh, publicly. Uh, and then now it's getting attention, right? And it's like, it's weird to me because I don't know, why do we value some humans more than others? Well, Sanjay Gupta was the, one of the ones that brought that to the American public. The guy right. who we were just talking about did weed four. And I think it was like weed one where he brought Charlotte's story and the Stanley brothers coming up with a strain specific to her that was high CBD. A lot of times right. they don't talk about though is that it does have THC. It is not just right. CBD. You cannot right. treat seizures with CBD. Right. So the 
It comes down to the same thing with the, I think it was the mayor of a town in Utah or the governor of Utah. It might have been the mayor of Salt Lake City. I can't remember the specifics. But anyways, consider it a fable with a mythical governor of some sort of Utah. Uh Got arrested with pounds of pot in his house. Uh After speaking against it his whole political career. And his justification was, yeah, but my wife has cancer. So it was okay. Right. He justified in his own mind that because it affected someone in his life, right? then it, he was then somehow above the laws that he had actually proposed all this time or fought right. against any sort of legalization. So it, it always seems, um, I don't know if, you know, Charlotte was the tipping point. It was probably part of it, but it it comes down to usually my experience is someone is sick and then they call me. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's they call me after they've tried everything else instead of doing it in conjunction with as if somehow you can't do Western medicine in conjunction with using cannabis at the same time. Right. And that's and also- do it. And also, though, as if all those people have who have been using cannabis for all these years be prior to any kind of legalization yeah. or medical programs, as if none of those were ever using it medically, like whether they knew it or not, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes they, uh, you know, people self-medicate, right? And just because it was illegal and they were utilizing it doesn't mean they, quote unquote, weren't patients the whole time, Right. Uh, or, or using it for the medical benefits they were receiving, whether they realized it or not, like I said. I always have felt that there is no cannabis use that is not medicinal. Because it's a medicinal right. plant. Um, right. And yes, anything can be abused. We're not talking about that. But any I mean, regular I use, opioids, you know? I mean, it's like... <laughs> well, and that's the other thing that we four did a lot of talk about. We could probably do a whole show just on using cannabis to fight the opioid addiction as well. That was basically his focus of the show. And I'm a person who got off Demerol when they were talking. They tried me on the fentanyl patch, which made me throw up out my face. I'm pretty sure I threw up out my eyeballs and my ears, but I know it came out my mouth and nose as well. It was like my whole head threw up. It was violent. That's Um, a lot. So I passed on that whole fentanyl thing. And then they wanted to try methadone was my next pain treatment because they wanted me off Demerol. But they thought methadone was the next pain treatment strategy. And I opted out. <laughs> passed. Hard pass on the methadone. Right. Um, but I use only cannabis now. I was using no pharmaceuticals, but I did just start taking this one. Uh, for electrical right. issues but yeah the the ability i'm actually in, even in a book about cannabis saving my life it literally got me off all pain medications all nausea medications which both had all kinds of shitty side effects but prior to all that when i was like we talked about one of those people that used cannabis in the 90s when maybe it wasn't legalized um Even back then, everyone I knew was taking antidepressants or 
getting drunk every night or every weekend. It was like, yeah, it's Friday. I'm going to get drunk for two straight nights, be hungover all day Sunday and come back to work Monday. And like, you knew those people too, I'm sure. And that was yeah. their week. For me, it yeah. was like, you know, I can go home, smoke, smoke a dube. I yeah. would. I could make dinner, watch a little TV, get to bed around nine, ten o'clock. You know. Yeah. Are you going to call that medicine? I don't know, but everybody seemed at the, around me to be using other things that didn't seem that seemed more toxic, in my view, to cope. Absolutely. Right. As coping strategies, and for me, and smoking to be honest. That includes people who were not using quote unquote substances. That's what I'm saying. It was either yeah, they yeah. all had something. It was food. Something. You know, Shopping, uh, gambling, coffee. <laughs> we know them. So I felt to me, I always felt like it was what uh, it was the reason I wasn't more depressed. Lord knows at the time I had enough to be depressed about. <laughs> you know. Yeah. brain tumor and misdiagnosed and going through a divorce and all at the same time and yeah I'm... yeah and you probably uh you know know and we've talked about probably a little bit my experience was kind of along the lines of um <laughs> there was so much kind of self-judgment about it that I stopped and then through my process my personal process uh, of of then abs- abstaining from it for many yeah. years. We talked about when that I last figured week. out like um that definitely was serving a, like a really good positive medical, you know, medicinal purpose in my life and wow, like <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. Huh. So well, I think it's all medicinal whether or not we know it. It's um also I believe we were exposed to it a lot more prior to prohibition in a general setting it was part of a you know normal medicine cabinet for centuries all oh, right right so who knows you know there's even studies that are probably paid for by some cannabis lobby but there was some some correlation to cannabinoid deficiency and increased depression in our society so exactly you know i was actually watching this another international movie on um netflix the this last week called a life of its own uh the truth about medical marijuana and it was filmed created in australia and using australian doctors talking about australian laws etc but obviously it's all very parallel to what we have and obviously you know united states law and and all the stuff going on here uh was a big part of the topics but at one point they were talking to some, uh, yeah, to a family that was using cannabis for children, for their child uh, with epilepsy or an epileptic uh, condition. And they were talking about it like, you know, yeah, we really just believe that the plant is just a gift from God. Like we think that this plant was a gift that God gave us specifically to help deal with a lot of stuff. And like, it's crazy yeah. how we treat it. And I really personally believe the same thing. Now, I believe that everything on the planet is a gift from God. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. not like whatever. But I just think like, wow, we just, I mean, here he gave us this plant. It was like, here, oh, by the way, here's this one flower that will help do a bunch of extra stuff for you as well. I mean, we have so many flowers that do, right? But Yeah, we don't even know geez. probably. Yeah, there was so many. We go look into herbal medicine, obviously, and fungi and... 
I mean, it's it's outrageous. Yes, it could go into it. Uh, I could go into it all, but to me, it's a spiritual thing, and like uh, the healing. Like, I mean, I think we were giving it, given it as a healing agent for our whole life, <laughs> and it's been pretty abundant. Oh, well, you know, be <laughs> successful and thrive. <laughs> it's been around for how long, and proven repeatedly, repeatedly to not harm. So it's yeah. had it. It's had. A, a couple of uh, centuries now of, of proof that yeah. it is a, not going to harm. I think one yeah. of the doctors in the Sanjay Gupta Weed 4 show made a comment about, you know, when, oh, actually, he was a senator from Maine. Oh, it's coming to me. Breaky. I had to look him up because I wanted to know what state he was in. Gotcha. And it was Maine. And I believe it's B-R-A-C-Y or C-K-Y. And he is trying to, I believe, I think he was trying to add addiction like we had talked about in Illinois. Addiction as a qualifying condition, perhaps. Right. And Dr. Gupta asked him, you know, a lot of people say you're just, and he had like shown clips of them saying it right before, um, non-cannabis advocates saying that you know you're just trading one bad thing for another bad thing and you're just substituting and this guy said you know he kept it simple they had done all these other reasons why it's a great idea but this guy was just like hey you know what it's been around forever it's never killed anybody in its entire history and the opioids are killing you know thousands of people so it's not really one bad thing for another bad thing I would rather have people on this one thing that absolutely won't kill them versus well, the thing I, that will. That's one of the biggest things. So uh, in, in conjunction with his uh, movie that he, or documentary that he just put out, Dr. Sanjay Gupta also wrote a letter to an open letter to Jeff Sessions uh, about cannabis recently and personal letter. Yeah. And um, well, he had reached out to him, of course, throughout the documentary, trying to get them to, you know, give an opinion or say yeah. something or whatever, but they wouldn't. So he wrote an open letter to him, and there was three main points that he wanted to make, which was, one, the cannabis helps with the pain, of course, associated with, in this particular example, the uh, opioid addiction, a person with opioid addiction, right, and uh, the Marijuana can help with the pain, but it also helps with, like you said, the psychology of the quitting. In fact, it actually, scientifically speaking, repairs the parts of the brain uh, yes. to some degree that were harmed by the opiate use and that affect the, the judgment, decision-making, learning, and memory. So, you know, when we were growing up, they all say, oh, you know, weed kills your gray brain matter, you know, and brain kill your brain cells. You never get them back. Well, in actuality, science says the exact opposite happens. <laughs> so funny. Right. And then plus when you have a, a cannabinoid deficiency, those receptors are all dormant. Once you start using cannabis as as time passes, they all start functioning again. All these cannabinoid receptors that's all over your body, like your nervous system, and they right. regulate homeostasis which is basically balance their goal the cannabinoid receptors in your body are basically to create balance which is what everybody wants but what right, your body right. needs so you're not overproducing a hormone or underproducing you're not overproducing 
certain enzymes. It's basically right. its job is to regulate everything. So, so yeah, scientifically it, speaking, it affects the, it reduces the pain. It actually helps with the symptoms themselves of the nausea and the not eating those things. And it also helps their craving, the addict's cravings. Right. So sure. it's just so interesting how like, yeah, homeostasis, like, of course, when you have homeostasis, you don't crave right. something. Now, uh, I don't know that this is going to negatively apply. I mean, I'm not a scientist. So, you know, there's there's obvi- there's always a yin and yang to everything, right? And they will figure out the yins and the yangs. Nothing mm. is all good and only good. Uh, however. Separate pot. Anyway. Except cannabis. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that. There's that. Uh, but, I mean, it's just really interesting how much uh, it does. So, back to the politics, though. You know, why wouldn't this have just been done so long ago? Obviously, we've got the whole big conversation about race and the new Jim Crow and white supremacy and blah, blah, blah. Let's just not talk about that one for right now and go back to what you were talking about, which is the power, um, the power struggle, so to speak. Right. I mean, that's kind of what you were talking about. Right. As far as and what's politics, the currency, I mean, what's the currency of power? It's money. I mean, people like John right. Boehner, who's personally associated with having half a million people arrested for cannabis because of his policies and his uh, his helping to enact and enforce bad policy surrounding cannabis has now joined one of the largest cannabis commercial cannabis grows in the country right right as an advocate because he's right. quote unquote now. seeing the light yeah, uh, he smoked the joint, and now all, oh, it all came crashing down around him, or so. Oh, apparently no, he doesn't. He's never partaked. It's not oh, that. So, I mean, that it just gets back. This is the same guy who backed, you know, tobacco. So, yeah. so what it comes down to, the real politics again is the power wins. The power money. is the money. Right. Um, but I think there's a way for all of us to continue that middle path that allows for both things to completely exist. There's no reason to be a half a stoner and a half an entrepreneur. The entrepreneurs, the stoners, the advocates, the old hippies, the new hippies, those those little shits that are always running around in those damn black hoodies. (laughs) And smoking dabs for 12 hours. Doing dabs for 12 hours and playing video (laughs) games. Bless their hearts. they all have their place and their opinion and if people would approach the topic with less aggression this is my opinion and a little more of a learning outlook like what can i learn from you about this um and and they're all valuable is what i i mean that's kind of my platform so to speak is that every human being has value right every single one of them all of them, Laura. I know oh, you know. I know. That you one want to kill. He has value to his mommy, to his mom. His mom I values I, him a lot. I talked to his mom. <laughs> his mom's on the phone. They all have value. All humans have value. Now, <laughs> all right, fine. We got to be realistic about, you know, their role in our lives, our role in our lives, our role in our interactions with these garbage ass people. Get you? Sometimes you just want to throw some people away. That was my point was if you get if you couldn't I was kind of even though I was joking my of point of the aggress uh, approaching the topic with aggression 
is and I'm like I would say I do have a couple people that I would like to, but if I can't if I can't interact without that being my lead, my lead emotion is aggression or negativity, then I just don't have the conversation. And I feel right. like people need to put them I, I don't want to say check yourself, but you need to do a, a self examination of your intention before you start some of these conversations. And that goes for social media as well. I don't mean it entirely verbally. Social media, yeah. you know, is a cesspool of, of people just vomiting negativity. And that's that's a whole different conversation. But <laughs> we've got topics for years. When you're talking about these kinds of and when you're trying to find a middle ground or you're trying to understand why dispensaries aren't doing more for patients or why they don't have more programs for pe- patients who can't afford to get their cards or then approach the topic more from an intention of finding out the reasons rather than an attack. And I always feel like in advocacy, there tends to be more of an attack first and then go, Oh, Oh, okay. (laughs) After they explain, you know, and I, I think I have a slightly different perspective, although they're very, you know, hand in hand, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. My perspective is kind of more along the line of don't waste your time figuring out why. Spend your time figuring out how you personally can help contribute to making a change in that, right? Which comes back to what we were just talking about a minute ago, which is that the the power, at least in a capitalistic society, which is what we live in in the United States, and it's what we're going to be dealing with, with marijuana, with cannabis for the, the foreseeable future. You know, there's there's no chance they're just going to be like, oh, you know what? Boom. It's decriminalized. Y'all can just grow your your cannabis at home, like your tomatoes and just go buy a pick up a a packet of cannabis seeds at the at the nursery. That's not about to happen. Right. Even though I wish it would. Right. But that being said, I have money. I spend my money right? Money is where the power is, right? So collectively, the more we focus on like putting our money, this is from another company I work with, Hollywood Hippie, but putting our money where our heart is, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, the more we have the power to actually produce change. So sometimes we put some people, some organizations put their money into uh, doing the activist uh, activities that would produce new laws right (laughs) pay lawyers to write laws hopefully that would be the ideal way to go uh because i think we're in some situations right now because i don't know who was looking over those laws but Mm. maybe we weren't reading through them real clearly and real closely and giving it the time and attention they needed right i don't know but they're putting their money there some people are putting their money towards um purchasing from companies that they feel have a good uh, you know, business model, so to speak, in the industry, right? That's one of my favorite things to do. Like, I don't shop at dispensaries that I don't like how they operate. You know, I do my research on dispensaries and I'm not doing my research per se on, for sure, I'm not doing it on the level of THC in the flower they sell, right? right. Like, I don't even, I don't even yeah. find out that kind of information. Like, I don't even care about that information. 
what I do want to know is like, do you do testing? Like what kind of programs do you have for people with disabilities or for, you know, what other kind of things do you do? Do you have any kind of uh, low price RSO programs for people with medical needs? You know, how do you hire? What does your staff look like? What does your ownership team look like? Like I want to see diversity in hiring and I want to see practices that show that their inclusivity um, and, you know, being involved in the community, et cetera. So like I have my standards I care about and that's where I put my money. Right. And that's um, your vote. And that's, your and that's vote. my vote. Right. And right. I do vote also politically speaking with the government. I do always place a vote and I try to um, be right. informed. But that's, that's but yeah. It's like, I can't waste my time figuring out their why, right. Their why is that they but want money. People, power, no, some know? people want to know what the structure, and that's what I'm saying by find out the dispensaries. Why, if that's what your question is, don't attack them for not right. having a program. You yeah, well, be- especially what you said before, when it's like they assign blame to everybody with a certain status because they've experienced something with a few people, like um, that's the same as racism, you know, like that's the same kind of principle there uh, in action. Uh, and, and, you know, to say mm-hmm. like, oh, all dispensary owners are just the devil. Like, well, I just literally cannot believe that to be true. I can believe that there's a lot of cutthroat people in an industry that has a lot of money flowing through it. And I absolutely can believe that those people will loophole every single uh, in, out, and whatever of the law to make sure they squeeze every dime out of it for themselves as they do in every industry. And not to mention, not to mention the fact that it's a shadow industry. It's still only half legal. Half legal. These people have so much risk on their heads. Yeah, they're making a lot of money. Maybe. You know, maybe they're making a lot of money and maybe they're not making nearly as much money as some people think, you know, because there's so many people about it. Yeah, I have a friend who, and I'll keep it real general. Um, Of course. Let's just make it another fable. So (laughs) this, this person, this particular person had, was part of a caregiver group, a collective of caregivers who are allowed to grow a certain amount of plants for patients who live outside of a dispensary area as long as they're providing cannabis to them. This particular group was able to identify, and again, we're talking shadow law and shadow businesses again. Right. Caretaking is even a whole nother level of shadow beyond dispensary uh-huh. shadow. Right. So they had, if they, well, there was also a way that they were able to, I believe, legally give access some sort of, sell program back to dispensaries anyways they were doing all right they were fine everybody was um the program was working they were growing well they were turning the the garden was turning over they had probably done two three crops out of the garden um indoor grow and they were raided right and they were raided simultaneously the grow was in a business in the back of a business um so the business was basically everything and it was seized they were also simultaneously raided everyone associated in their homes Mm -hmm. their homes were raided their cars were seized anything of value was seized um they were arrested you know the whole bit they were only in jail briefly and they ended up, I don't believe, facing any charges. Mm-hmm. But 
thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in that grow gone. Gone. Probably Probably tens of thousands. thousands. At least tens of thousands. Yeah. And I don't know what, like, I even had a friend, another friend associated sort of with this group of people who had developed this brand new product. It was like a restaurant product and it just happened to be in his warehouse. And because the warehouse was seized, this guy couldn't launch his big product launch because his whole inventory was in this guy's building. It had right. nothing to do with the pot. It had nothing to do with anything. It was just being stored there. But yeah, it delayed his launch. So there's all that risk. I mean, those guys, I don't know if they can financially ever recover. So like, much risk. Yeah. No insurance policies for that. There's not like yeah. you can get a business insurance on your weed grow. Yeah, and it's not like you can go sue somebody to get that back or anything. Right. You know, what is ever going to back you up anywhere? Well, trust, I know that one too. Right. And that's, and that's the the yin and the yang of it, right? Is that a lot of people want to get in this business and they're like, Ooh, I have this 20,000, 30,000, $50,000. Let me invest it in the cannabis business. Never realizing or thinking upfront that like, Oh, basically these guys can totally just completely back out on this contract, take my money and run. And I will have zero recourse at all. Even with a what I think is an ironclad contract, because a federal government will never back up that contract, and ultimately, you know, yeah, I have no standing. Like, ouch! It's getting a little easier, but no, yeah, exactly. There's no recourse, and yeah. a lot of these people is also, you know, like the seized the seized property. There's no recourse for that. They're like, oops, my bad. Sorry, all your plants are dead. Yeah. Or a, a dispensary. Let's say a dispensary has um an infestation of spider mites and a whole room or a whole grow has to get shut down, fumigated and restarted. You know, that's a whole cycle that they're buying cannabis from some other grow to keep their store stocked. There's like zero profit if you're not growing your own cannabis. So, right. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's a whole bunch of things. And then for patients, what these guys don't understand is if someone saves up 25 bucks to go buy an eighth, you know, on a sale price and they get home and it's dry ass shit with a bunch of fucking cover leaves around the bud, which is adding right. to your weight and a damn half gram stem down the middle. Right. That, exactly. That the patient also has a right to be disgusted. And I've bought some dry, nasty, flavorless crap. And, you know, wasted my time, wasted my energy, and it pissed me off. So there does have to be, you know, that understanding on both sides. Don't don't package up your shit and try and pass it off to me like a cookie. It's shit. Right. It looks like it's shit. It smells like shit. Think, you know, there might be, there, there's probably going to need to be, you know, several different groups that are going to kind of come out of all these difficulties uh in the politics of cannabis so to speak right like uh we have our groups and and we'll need to strengthen and and uh uh, and uh, reinforce the groups that are working on the laws legislation actual legislation getting things passed right we just lost out on legislation to require testing why because mida and etc they have the money to Convince legislators not to worry about those things. We don't need to do pet testing, you know, whatever. I mean, that's the politics of it, right? Mm. I'll stay out of it a little bit. But the point is, right, right. like, we do need people that are going to go in and be 
trying to get those laws and then get Democrats or whoever they can to promise to sign on to those things actively, right? We can't just go out and get signatures. We also have to lobby the policymakers and make sure they're on our team. Then and why, we, can't, why can't we have, like we did with the government offices, you know, the state government had an ombudsman. I, you know, I think we need, and I know people try to do it, but I think it hasn't been done quite the same sort of open-hearted uh, way where yeah. you know maybe dispensaries start having an advisory panel or having right. having an, an individual at each dispensary that you know they work with who's a patient that can give them feedback from a patient's point of view so that they understand because i know when i went into the couple of dispensaries that i worked at um they're absolute complete lack of knowledge surrounding patients i had a guy that hired me knew i was a daily cannabis user hired me for my expertise in medicating edibles and then when he talked about adding on to our staff said well we don't want to hire any of those cannabis users and i'm like excuse me hello i'm like one uh, right in front of you yeah and he said well yeah but you're the exception and i'm not the exception so that the to that mindset of owners that have never used or have not had issues where they've needed or partaked or tried all the variants they need a patient right. maybe in their midst that that's my For sure. my recommendation i mean honestly i like ones where the owner uh you know also partakes personally but you know yeah there's a lot of different things like that like week there could be uh maybe some decent websites and maybe there is some of these things already so if you know of resources like this and you're listening to this please share them with us we'd love to kind of share great resources that are happening in this space especially in arizona but you know nationally internationally that's cool whatever is started right now let's see what's happening but I, I have seen definitely like in Great Britain where medical marijuana is actually still illegal. Yeah. Uh, some collectives are getting formed where literally the whole group puts in money towards purchasing uh, flour and then one or two members of the group turn that flour into um, RSO or other oils as needed by other members of the group who would be, you know, parents of children with these kind of situations, cancer patients, et cetera. So, um, well, that's what our co ops were. were. That's what our co-op yeah. was here when they started, but then they, right. everything separated out. And I just think that right. they're, they're like, there's, a, there's a dispensary in North Phoenix that's owned by two women. Um, uh-huh. And one is a doctor and uh-huh. stays very up to date and stays involved in the community. And like, she's somebody that understands kind of the more holistic side of it. Are you talking about Liz? Um, Lilac. I was talking about Giving Tree. Okay, Giving Tree. Uh huh. Giving Tree. Out there, they also have, I think, a store in Mesa, but they have one out on Deer Valley, and I think it may be Eleventh Avenue. Uh huh. Um, female entrepreneurs involved in their community, and then there's the uh location Midtown Roots in Central Phoenix that offers, you know, medicated yoga classes and nutrition and those kinds of things have more of a patient. I know they do the, the one in the giving tree does a lot of, I believe it's breast cancer um, yeah. associations and work and, you know, support. That's their, their more their mission. And it might, it might be a personal mission as well. I can't remember, 
But lovely That's... women, lovely group. And same with Midtown yeah. Roots. More patient, focused energy right from your first interaction with them and, right. and their online presence. And yeah. I don't think it's a requirement for a business, obviously. I'm not saying that every business should do it. I'm saying as a recommendation to help maybe some of the those in the industry or like Mita. Mita maybe should start inviting some patient advocates to partake in discussions or, you know, dispensary owner groups in general should maybe start asking a couple of people. They don't have to be the radical sides of it, but maybe have some of their own patients from their dispensary partake in discussions about what's missing from programs or what they'd like to see. Instead of it just being a bunch of same interest individuals just discussing the industry and maybe have that the first part because I know the ones I went to they didn't want to talk about stuff like in front of me or other right well, and that's reps. the thing you know what Mita without being um, <laughs> someone in the industry that they care about <laughs> um you know, I think about a, an alternative, for example, let, let's just take a, a, a parallel in an, a different industry, which is uh, um, you and I work together supporting in different roles, people with developmental disabilities, right? And right. on the provider side of that, of that uh, business, because it is actually a business, um, yes. there's a group called the, called APAD, the providers, you know, the yep. providers group. And this group is primarily concerned with doing the lobbying and or suing the state when necessary. If the state is trying to pass laws or otherwise do things that would negatively affect the industry owners, the owners of the businesses providing the services. Right. And that's what they did. You know, they, and, and they got together every month and they talked about the things that they cared about. Did they ever have patients come to those uh, clients, come to one of those meetings? Never once. They had state representatives, though. Which they have the state rep- representatives all the time. They have lobbyists all the time. They have the different state uh, representatives were representing the clients. Like when if I went, I was representing as a state. Like if I went as a state, because I went to a couple APAD meetings, right. and I went representing individuals I served. So I, although the individuals themselves could not attend. I mean, theoretically, those business owners also serve those same individuals and you're but all representing the same meeting. people, theoretically. But that's not what they're meeting about. They're meeting about their businesses. They're not meeting about their patients. Right. State, I mean, kind the of. the state was theoretically. there. The state, yeah, but not, not in the business sense. That's not why you guys were talking about rates. You were talking about rates because of your budgets. I mean, just also generally. And the, the I mean, state was there. Say, it was an every month meeting. There was always something to talk about. But the point, the point is that that group of business owners didn't care about that point of view in that moment. Might it meet up? They don't care about that point of view. So like from the patient view, unless we're on the inside of that group for us to say what they should do, like that's cool what they should do, but we can't make them do that. And therefore talking about what they should do is like a nice recommendation for them, but they don't care what we think. They've made that very clear. I believe, you know, and I'm okay with that because that's just, it is what it is. The point being, so what do we do? What can we do from the outside, you know, to 
force these actions or to move these things in our direction because let, let's just uh be real there's more of us than there are of them right there really are and so do we have the power in our hands as the people to move things forward the way we want to take over the politics of, of uh cannabis you know can we can we cause things to move forward in a direction we want it to regardless of what quote unquote they are doing and or do we pull in, yeah, you know, how year. can we embrace it's- the they that is on the same thing, right? So I call that term conscious capitalism. Like, I don't think there's a big problem with capitalism. I don't have a problem with that. But I do believe that there's a place for conscious within that and for business and money making activities to be useful to um, build the wealth of as many people as possible and or to meet the needs of the collective as much as possible. Um, you know, I think all those things are possible. So yeah, I don't know. It's just there's so many sides to it, right? Well, I think the the collective did go up against the establishment in right. what we're talking about what, by defeating the recreational amendment. Yeah, right, exactly, because if that would have gone through, it literally would have been very I mean, I I uh, I'm tempted to say it would have been nearly impossible to ever backtrack out of those agreements that would have then been laid in stone in the in the first set of laws around it all it's a lot harder definitely I to, mean, to go so backwards than to do it right the first time yeah for sure and, and i love that about us right so to me it's like hey we have hope there's no uh, i won't say there's no need for anger because people deserve to be angry when they should be angry you know and period like end just of story. not when you're trying to solve the problem yeah but like yeah i'm just that person that's always focused on like okay so you're angry get it understand you should be angry um how do we solve it now what do we do right what's the solution how do we fix this problem right so um yeah i mean i don't know the answers yet but that's my thinking pattern so if you're someone out there listening we got to wrap it up we've been on here forever today um but yeah solution minded like we want to figure out solutions we want to be thinking of solutions i really do predict that we will figure out you know collectives where we're able to take care of the neediest uh, parts of our uh, society with this stuff i would definitely be someone who would contribute money on a monthly basis towards some kind of big fund that you know provided cannabis to people who uh, really needed it couldn't afford it what have you cancer patients elderly people parents of children with conditions you know Etc. I would I would be happy to contribute to something like that. Can that even exist legally right now? I don't know. Well, you know, we can't so even no we can't can't come up with a solution until we divine the problem, and I'm not sure that we did that yet. So no, we don't even know. Well, what, the problem what to the me, issue. I don't even know if there is a problem. But the issue is money is power. Therefore, how do we make our money? To me, the solution, so to speak, is making our money work to our advantage instead of literally just giving them our money. Right. Like we complain about it, but then we give them our money. It's like, uh, yeah. So let's put our money where it matters, where we can do something different with it. And you know, there's a lot of different answers to that. I think, you know, there's yeah. so many answers to that for each individual person and their own sphere of influence, so to speak. Sure. But I do think sure. that the more we have the conversation, the more that the right people will be attracted and drawn to one another and figure out ways to partner and put together their strengths with their strengths and this and that. And, you know, these, this little piece of the pie with that piece of the pie. And meanwhile, I'm going to keep shopping at the dispensaries that I feel like really great about, uh, you know, what they're doing Absolutely. and not shopping at the ones that I don't feel great about. 
I'll drive. Absolutely. Lord knows I do. I go 40 minutes. (laughs) You make the drive for sure. One way, 40 minutes, but it's well worth it. Well worth it. Well, yeah, I think we touched on a little bit of everything. And if anybody has any ways to direct this next time, be sure and leave us a message. Right. And do we have a topic for next week or shall we? Ooh, topics for next week. Well, I mean, um, uh, I I don't have a topic for next week right now off the top of my head. head. We talked about so much today and there's a lot of things we could, uh, we could expand on. There's so many things always. I mean, we did talk about the science of, of cannabis a little bit. We could touch on that slightly. I mean, there's so much to be done, but it was pretty interesting. The documentary I just watched on Netflix, I talked about uh, the story. I think it was called the story of cannabis or something. Um, Mm It was in Australia that they filmed it and they heavily relied on information and interviews with uh, the doctor whose name I 100% I'm going to forget right now, but the doctor in Israel who's been doing 50 years of cannabis research legally and supported by his government. Yeah, he was really the main uh, focus Mm -hmm, of the documentary. Yeah, so a lot of really, really good stuff in there where... You know, he did not go so far as to say cancer, uh, I mean, uh, you know, uh, cannabis kills cancer. But he certainly said some very compelling things in there that he has seen himself and he just needs, you know, this, uh, you know, not he. I'm sure he's feeling like he's coming to the end of his research time, but that the research that needs to continue, you know, should definitely dive a lot deeper into the cancer uh, like it's very obviously already uh, helping to deal with symptoms. Yeah, but Israel's on there's top of it. a whole lot more that could be um, to be researched, so to speak. Yeah. Israel's amazing in their work. They're way ahead of everybody. Yeah, you know, and you even got some terpenes and stuff like that. Maybe science and cannabis is a good topic for next week. The science of cannabis or kind of where we're at right now and what's going on and what we know. I mean, because the truth is you and I probably read more about what's happening on a daily basis than, uh, you know, most of our listeners right uh, i literally have a google a alert. I, yeah exactly i have a google alert on like okay cannabis medical marijuana cannabis and wellness i get like 12 google alerts a day on all the new news on, yeah and on i've got a couple of groups yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah cool science it is then all right cool well everybody thank you for being with us this week for this long long recording the politics of cannabis you see we got nowhere stay stay safe Oh yeah, there you go. I don't think politics has an ending. It's a perpetual circle of life, right? The perpetual circle of life. We'll break out of it though. We just gotta figure out how to get our money together. Money. We gotta get our money activated the way we want it activated. Vote with your dollar. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. We'll see you all next week. Yes. Bye. Bye. Join us every Thursday as we break down what's happening now and how you can infuse cannabis into your life too. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, share with your friends, and get our free tincture making course at potofwellness.com.